Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It's time for Lombardi Memories. A show that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all of sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty 90s, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history, which covers this fifth Super Bowl of the decade and the next five as well. Today we have Super Bowl 29, which was held on January 29, 1995 at Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami, Florida between the first-time AFC champion San Diego Chargers and the four-time NFC and Super Bowl champion San Francisco 49ers. If you're looking for the full story of this 1994 season, pick up my Nifty 90s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, which player was the first to win three consecutive Super Bowl rings? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. The San Francisco 49ers had been oh so close to making the Super Bowl the last two seasons, losing in the NFC Championship game to Dallas each time. Steve Young won league MVP in 1992 before the Niners' heartbreaking loss at home to the Cowboys. Then Joe Montana was traded to Kansas City, and Young had a monkey on his back, as he said. And the only way to get that monkey off his back was for him to win the Super Bowl. In the second game of the season, Young faced Montana's Kansas City Chiefs with all the pressure in the world to prove that he was better than his predecessor. Instead, the Chiefs beat the Niners 24-17, keeping the pressure on him. Three games later, Young got benched in an embarrassing 40-8 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. The 49ers dropped the 3-2, 
and they looked to be in trouble. But that's when San Francisco went on a 10-game winning streak, including a 42-3 win over Atlanta, where newly acquired defensive back Deion Sanders got into a fight with Falcons receiver Andre Risen. The 49ers beat Dallas on the way to a 13-3 regular season record, earning the number one seat in the NFC. After an easy 44-15 win over Chicago in the divisional round, San Francisco faced old nemesis Dallas for the NFC title. This time, the 49ers got three turnovers in the first quarter and scored three touchdowns, going up 21 to nothing. They led 31-14 at halftime, though Dallas cut their lead down to 10 points in the fourth quarter. The 49ers held on to win 38-28, and they advanced to their fifth Super Bowl. Young threw for just side 4,000 yards, putting up 35 touchdown passes, as opposed to just 10 interceptions for a stellar passer rating of 112.8, which was off the charts at the time. He was also the team's third leading rusher, going for 293 yards on the ground and rushing for a team-high seven touchdowns. He was named league MVP for the second time in three years. Running back Ricky Waters led the team in rushing with 877 yards, while catching 66 passes for 719 yards. He scored 11 touchdowns overall. Fullback William Floyd, the best fullback bar none, as his nickname said, ran for 305 yards and six touchdowns. Tight end Brent Jones caught 49 passes for 670 yards and nine touchdowns, and receiver John Taylor had a solid year with 41 catches for 531 yards and five touchdowns. But we haven't even gotten to Jerry Rice yet. He finished one receiving yard shy of 1,500. He caught 112 passes, scored 13 times, and his yards per catch average was 13.4. He was also on the verge of setting every career receiving record in the books. It is truly amazing that the stats he put up were regarded as ho-hum, thanks to the ridiculous standard he had set for himself. On the other side of the ledger were the San Diego Chargers. They got off to a hot start, winning their first six games. Then, they went into a slump, losing five of the next eight. They finished the season with two victories, including one on Christmas Eve, over the Steelers to finish off an 11-5 season, which got them into the playoffs as the number two seed in the AFC. The Chargers barely beat Miami 22-21 to advance to the first AFC championship game since 1981. Against the number one seeded Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chargers scored a late touchdown to take a four-point lead, then made a goal-line stand with the Steelers three yards shy of a touchdown. After that fourth-downing completion, the Chargers went on to win it 17-13, to 
and advanced to the first Super Bowl in franchise history. San Diego was led by head coach Bobby Ross, who ran this offense through running back Natron Means. Means ran for 1,350 yards and 12 touchdowns. The Chargers had only one other rushing touchdown this season besides his 12 uh, runs for touchdowns. And quarterback Stan Humphreys, he did go over 3,200 yards, but his touchdown to interception ratio was just 17 to 12. Not all that great. The Chargers had three good ball catchers, but no standing, no standout ones. So they had receiver Mark Say, running back Ronnie Harmon, and receiver Tony Martin, who all went uh, over 50, at least 50 uh, receptions. Receiver Andre Coleman had a big year returning kicks, bringing back two for touchdowns on his way to nearly 1,300 yards of kickoff returns. The 49ers won the coin toss and elected to receive. As 18-point favorites, the Niners seemed to be in charge of this game from the very start. In fact, you could say the game was over the minute they won the coin toss. The Chargers got called for a face mask penalty on the return, putting San Francisco at the 41 to begin. Floyd ran for four, and Taylor caught a pass in San Diego territory for a first down. Young then fired over in the middle of the rice for a 44-yard touchdown in which the Charger defensive backs were way out of position. It was the fastest touchdown pass in Super Bowl history, coming over 80, coming only 84 seconds into the game. The 49ers were the second team in Super Bowl history to score a touchdown on the game's opening drive. The only other one was Miami back in Super Bowl VIII. The Chargers couldn't match that touchdown. In fact, they went three and out. San Francisco got the ball back at their 21. Young threw a seven-yard pass to Floyd. Then he scrambled for 20 yards. Next, he went play-axe in the waters after a fake to Floyd. Waters holding in broke a tackle, and went all the way again, 51 yards. 49ers were up 14-0 in the blink of an eye, not even five minutes into the game. Dan Deerdorf, ABC announcer, said he wanted to go back to the opening kickoff, start the game over again. But to their credit, the Chargers didn't fold immediately. Humphreys ran for a first down and passed for one to Harmon to get into San Francisco territory with a first down. Uh, but next, Harmon ran himself for a first down, and he got to the 25. Means then carried it three straight plays, getting a first down and moving the ball inside the 10. Then Deion Sanders got called for pass interference in the end zone, and that gave the Chargers the ball at the 1. Means plowed in for the touchdown, and the Chargers made it 14-7 at the end of one quarter. Young began the next drive with a 19-yard pass to Rice over the middle. The 49ers then ran a reverse, which Rice took off the right side for first down to the Chargers 41. 
Taylor made a spectacular catch for a first down at the 30, and Young cut the distance between the Niners and the end zone in half on a scramble. That was 15 yards. Young got another first down on a sneak. Then he threw the Floyd over the middle for a five-yard touchdown to make it 21-7. Now, Rice was apparently injured on the reverse, so he came out of the game, went to the locker room. Meanwhile, defensive tackle Dana Stubblefield sacked Humphreys, and the Chargers had the punt again. But with Rice without, since Rice was out of the game with that injury, Niners' offense didn't look as strong, and they ended up punting as well. The Chargers, though, went nowhere for another possession. And Adam Walker of the 49ers almost blocked the punt. In fact, he got a hand on it, but it took a very good bounce and went 41 yards to midfield. Rice came back into the game, and... The San Francisco offense looked unstoppable again. Young threw for a first down to Jones. Then he found Rice over the middle for another first down. Taylor got a short pass, and then Rice hauled one in and made a nice move, got to the 15-yard line. few plays later, Young threw to Waters on the left side for an 8-yard touchdown, and the 49ers lead ballooned to 28-7. to Now, the Chargers at least tried to make a game of it. Humphreys threw the say for a first down at the 45. Then receiver Son Jefferson ran a reverse to get into San Francisco territory. Running back Eric Bienemy caught a screen and went down to the 13, which set up a field goal. Kicker John Carney made a 31-yard field goal, and the Chargers pulled within 18, which, of course, 18 points. That was the point spread for this game. The 14-2, or no, 13-3 49ers were favored to win this game by 18 points. Young attempted to lead the 49ers downfield for more points, he threw to Jones and Rice for first downs, and Waters got the ball as far as the 29 before San Francisco had to settle for a field goal try. Perhaps the only weak link in the 49ers roster was their kicker, Doug Bryan. He missed a 47-yard field goal attempt wide to the right and short. Humphreys threw a 9-yard pass to Jefferson. Then the Chargers called timeout with 24 seconds left. Two plays later, Humphreys went for the home run ball in the margin. He was intercepted by defensive back Eric Davis in the end zone on a play that almost certainly would be ruled an incomplete today. Davis clearly did not have the possession of the ball long enough. Nevertheless, it stood, and the 49ers went to the locker room with a 28-10 lead. The Chargers started the second half with a 3-and-out. Young got the ball back at his own 38 and immediately threw for a first down to Rice. After defensive end Rayleigh Johnson picked up a sack of Young, 
The quarterback found Rice over the middle to make up for it and get a first down to the 32. Taylor caught one for another first down as the 49ers moved the ball down inside the tent. Waters then burst for a 9-yard touchdown run, scoring a Super Bowl record tying third touchdown. The 49ers now led 35-10. Humphreys and the Chargers went nowhere again. Then San Francisco got the ball back. Floyd started to drive with a 9-yard catch before running for a first down on the next play. A pass interference call gave the 49ers another first down. Next, it was Waters running off the right side. He got another first down. And then it kept on going because Steve Young scrambled for a first down. And then he fired over the middle to Jerry Rice, 15-yard touchdown, 42-10. to on the most exciting play of the entire game, Andre Coleman returned the ensuing kickoff 98 yards for a touchdown. It was tied for the longest kickoff return in Super Bowl history with Fulton Walker's return in Super Bowl 17. This record wouldn't last long. It only lasts, uh, it would get broken two Super Bowls from here. The Chargers then did something no team in Super Bowl history had done before. They went for two. It was the first year of the two-point conversion in the NFL. Humphreys converted the very first one in a Super Bowl with a pass over the middle to Say to cut it to 42-18. The 49ers went three and out, but the Chargers couldn't respond. Tight end Alfred Kupunu caught a pass one yard short of a first down, and on fourth down, Bobby Ross said, let's go for it. But Natron Means couldn't get the first down. He tried going to his right. The 49ers blew it up. He, he cut all the way back to his left, still nowhere to go. And the 49ers just swarmed on him, tackled him for a loss, and the Chargers took or Chargers turned it over on downs. Waters ran a few times with the ball, getting it down to the seven because they were already in great field position. Young threw a touchdown pass to Rice to the left side, and the 49ers got to exactly 49 points, a fact that thrilled me as a child. I was always... Uh, I just love that fact the 49ers scored 49 points. Moreover, Young set the record with six touchdown passes in a single game. And Rice tied his own record with three touchdown receptions in one game. The 49ers led 49-18 to and Young could get that monkey off his back. The Chargers made things interesting when it came to the 18-point spread, though. First, Humphreys threw a 30-yard touchdown pass to Martin while 49ers head coach George Seifert was being drenched in Gatorade. Pupunu caught a two-point two conversion pass to make it 49-26. Then the Chargers got the ball again in the final minute, and ABC announcer Al Michaels began to get excited. 
He gave some not-so-subtle hints that lots of people were interested in how the final seconds would go down. <laughs> it was hilarious. and But there's no bad beat this time. Humphrey's final pass went out of the end zone. The 49ers won up 49-26. They won by 23 points and covered the spread. Steve Young was named MVP of this game, and there's no arguing it. He threw for 325 yards, ran for 49 yards to lead all rushers, set two records, most touchdown passes in a game with six, most rushing yards by a quarterback with 49. There's just no way to pick anyone else. As a second-best award, I'd have to give it to Rice for his 10 catches, for 149 yards and three touchdowns, all marks that would have won him MVP in nearly every other Super Bowl. But for this one, Young got that monkey off his back in a big way, and he tightly squeezed that Lombardi trophy after the game in sheer relief. The best player on the losing team was kickoff returner Andre Coleman. He set a Super Bowl record for most kickoff return yards with 242. And he scored on the record-tying 98-yard kickoff return. There wasn't a single Charger player who really excelled on this day besides him. If I were to give out a least valuable player award, probably have to go to Humphreys because he was the quarterback. He completed less than half his passes and was picked off twice. But really, the Chargers had no chance in this game. He wasn't the only reason his team lost. The Chargers were just so inferior to San Francisco that he never had a chance from the coin toss, really. The biggest play of this game, well, it had to be Young's 44-yard touchdown pass to Rice on the game's opening drive. After that, it was over. 49ers had the game in the bag from the very start. The Chargers could not compare to them, simply. As the as for the biggest play you don't even remember? Well, how about Rice's reverse in the second quarter we talked about? Because it did set up a touchdown, but then it backfired in, in that Rice was injured on the play, and then the 49ers failed to score in the next possession. So in a weird way, it was the biggest play of the game in that it swayed the game in both directions. But ultimately, Rice did come back into the game. So, you know, the rest was history. I mean, he ended up with three touchdowns, two of them after that injury. So uh, it's hard to come up with any other play that was very important since it was such a blowout. The best player you don't remember Probably defensive back Tim McDonald for the 49ers. He was a very solid player for the 49ers over the years, and he made a lot of big plays in playoff games. He may not have had a starring role in this Super Bowl, but he definitely deserves recognition for his play. He was part of a defense that included linebacker Ken Norton Jr., who had won the last two Super Bowls in a row with Dallas. That made him the first player in Super Bowl history to win the big game three consecutive years. And yes, that is the answer to today's pop quiz question. 
for these new, uh, for these more recent Super Bowls, I'm having a hard time finding books focused on the teams involved, simply because it didn't happen all that long ago. So this time, I recommend for you to read the Sporting News, Sporting News's complete Super Bowl book which came out right after this Super Bowl. It has all the information you want to know on all the first 40, 29 Super Bowls, uh, especially this one, and even a little on the pre-Super Bowl NFL championships. Next time, for the third time in Super Bowl history, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. One of these teams will join the newly minted San Francisco 49ers as five-time Super Bowl champions. And they'll do it down in the desert in the first Super Bowl to take place in Arizona. So, we've come to the end here, and we'll be back in two weeks. My website is TommyAPhillips.com. You can find all of my books there. And until next time, so long. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.